FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 273 of the podcast that goes snicked. Snicked. <laughs> yes, I'm your Got host, Jason Venable, and I'm joined once again by Dan Cole and Georgie V, and we're going to talk some X-Books. we got a lot to talk about, guys. How are y'all doing? Hey, I'm okay. It's okay. Yeah, so this episode will uh, affectionately title Seeing Red. Because the main, I think, chunk of our conversation will be Phoenix-related. Um, and then, of course, leading into X-Men Red. And then we'll, we'll talk about some other stuff, too. <laughs> because we have to. <laughs> right? Yeah, some things I wish we didn't have to. Right. And uh, if you notice a volume difference, I had Georgie and Dan really hot. So I'm going to turn them down. But I'm not going to start over. So, sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> It's alright, we are very hot It That's happens right. Hot guys <laughs> Hot guys on yeah. the podcast you Yeah, you can title the episode Hot Guys, that works There you go <laughs> Hot Phoenix guys <laughs> They're as hot as Phoenix fire Ooh. And out of their sexy ashes <laughs> Out of their sexy ashes This podcast is born <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Boy. <laughs> All right, yes. <laughs> oh, that may be my favorite intro ever. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, um, hey, um, anything you guys want to mention before we jump into the comics? Do y'all have uh, any particular thoughts on the uh, the four Hunt for Wolverine miniseries that were announced um, over the weekend? There's four of them now? Yeah. Are they four one-shots? No, no. Uh, so I thought that the one by Solon Marquez was a miniseries. It's only a one-shot, I guess. Okay. And then um, there's four four-issue miniseries that will come out of that. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. So we have one by Charles Soule and Matteo Bifogni, um, which is going to be kind of noirish. I'm sorry. I always say that wrong. Noirish. Um <laughs> And then, uh, what's the other ones? I did, I did them on the last episode, but I didn't know if you guys had any particular opinions. Isn't there one um, Mariko Tomake's new yes. one? Yeah, that's uh, the claws. This killer has claws or something like that. And it's, uh, looks like it's going to focus on uh, Death Strike, Sabretooth, and Dokken. Okay. And that one's going to be supposed to be like a horror-ish. I think... Uh, Cool. I think Jackson Geis is doing that one, I believe. And then Tom Taylor and... Um, crap, who's doing the, the art for the Tom Taylor one? Oh, I forgot. Um, anyway, it's going to be like... It's like the Adamantium something, and it's going to be high action. Cool. And then um, there's one by Chris Bacallo and... Oh, who's the writer? I have to look all these back up. Just a second. <laughs> Is that the one with Daredevil in it? No, I think that's the Charles Soul one. Um, 
Romance and Madripoor, right? Yes, um, Romance and Madripoor. And it's going to have, um, like, Jubilee and Storm and Domino. Oh, the ladies. Yeah, all the ladies. All the single ladies. (laughs) Let's see if I can find this real fast. A 16-issue hunt on Bleeding Cool. Let's see what they have to say. Um, Read more. David comments. <laughs> no. Um. Okay. Oh, Jim Zub is doing that one. Oh right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So that should be fun. I think they sound pretty good. Um, does any one of those sound more or less appealing to you guys? I'll read the one. Then I'll read the Jim Zub one probably, and the one with Marika doing it. Because I like them. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to think about. I'll have to think about the other ones. Is uh, the Tom the Taylor with, one with the is uh, What's that, Georgie? I'm sorry. Is is Bacala with Zub? Yes, and then the Tom oh, yeah, Taylor. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I think so too. And then the Tom Taylor one has R.B. Silva, who will. Who's been doing pretty good on X Men Blue? So. Yeah, they got some good creators there. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty pretty stoked. I'm. I'm cautiously optimistic that they'll be pretty good. So, looking looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Okay, awesome. Well, anything else we need to to hit before we dive into the comics? I'm, I'm assuming since y'all don't have kids, you've already seen Black Panther. <laughs> not, not yet. I think Dan saw it, though. I saw it. I enjoyed it. Awesome. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Very much so. Um, yeah. Alright, cool. Well, before we get to X-Men Red, we have to finish up all the Phoenix talk. (laughs) So, um, we're going to jump into Phoenix Resurrection number four first, which is written by Matthew Rosenberg, art by Ramon Rosales, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, letters by VCs Travis Lanham, and the cover is by Leno Yu and Marte Gracia. And this is probably my favorite cover of the series. Um, it's got a giant phoenix bird attacking all the X-Men. I love that Beast is like, oh, he burned out my eyes. <laughs> 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 and then, you know, we have we have all our Wolverine characters. We have Old Man Logan. We have Wolverine. We have Sabretooth all in the, in the fight here. Um, Iceman's kind of like, I'm out of here. <laughs> I don't know who's who's the one that's the French fry in the very front. Isn't that Sabretooth? Oh no, I'm sorry. Uh, in the not front to the viewer, but front to the bird. Oh, who's like burned up? Yeah, a dead a dead X Man. A dead X Man. <laughs> just 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 a dead one. Big strong guy. <laughs> Maybe a little thin, but yeah, he knows. Cook off all the muscle. Maybe I it's guess. Guggenheim. <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> it's hoping. Yeah. Anyway, what do you guys think about this cover? It's dramatic, um, but I can't get over the fact that Storm, Storm's lightning or whatever the hell she has around her hand, is really off-coloured. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty blue, <laughs> almost greenish. But I, but I do like the bed a lot, yeah. and that um, Hank looks like he's crying for the sins of what he's done. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, crying tears of flame. Oh man, I I love this cover. I think uh, I, who who did the cover for this actually? Uh, you, not yes. not you, Georgie, but you. I would have remembered that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm like a fight club, like my alter ego does covers while I'm sleeping. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> oh, no, but this, like, I love how the characters look, like so well-defined. Um, uh, the Phoenix Bird looks amazing. Yeah. I mean, the, the only downside for me is, is like what Dan said, Storm's weird lightning hand. But otherwise, I love how this, this cover looks. Yeah, no, I, I like it quite a bit. Wolverine right. actually, sorry, Logan actually looks like Logan. Yeah, doesn't he? Isn't that weird that that can happen? <laughs> Not in the issue. In the issue, he looks like Beavis and Butthead Grandpa. But we'll get to that in a second. Um, so remember, uh, Gene's world is falling apart, and the X-Men, all the X-Men have found the Phoenix Egg in the desert butt. Um and we see as Jean walks through a neighborhood that whenever her back is turned is on fire. And then um, Kitty's trying to decide who's going to go talk to Jean. Then they all go in the egg. They realize like, oh, it's dead X-Men. Um, we have some cool parts, I guess, like uh, Laura slashes some uh, multiple man um, and gets attacked by, is that Wolfsbane? Is Wolfsbane dead? I didn't, didn't think so. Yeah, she's no. dead. I thought she was dead. But she can't be dead because she just had that power where she can turn into a whole wolf pack. Oh, right. You know, oh, Colin right. Bunn's uh, X-Men Blue. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe this is one of the, the pack that died. <laughs> um, anyway, Warpath has knives because that's super effective against Phoenix stuff. Um <laughs> And, of course, we have some, some stabby stuff with the claws. I really like the panel of the diner, like, with the light and the dark. Um, and, of course, they decide that someone's going to have to go talk to her. Uh, young Cyclops is like, oh, yeah, me, duh. But old man Logan's like, no, it's got to be me. Because um, it's the movies. Yes, yeah, which I don't particularly like. I do like the big phoenix bird resting on the restaurant. And I will say probably my favorite page of the whole book is the last page. Actually, <laughs> yeah, I quite like it. I'm quite. I usually, I'm usually quite a fan of um, this art, his art, but yeah, I feel like he rushed a few panels because I really like his Ant Man work. Um, I'm not familiar with him. So he did Ant Man stuff. Yeah, with um, Nick Spencer, and I, okay. I, I usually quite like his work. I love his panels where it's the half of it's on fire and yes. half of it isn't. I think that's a really nice visual. But it feels like he he may have just been brought in real quickly. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, you can tell there's some panels that look gorgeous, and there are yes. a couple that look rushed for sure. But yeah, fa whole, faces are not my favorite. I feel like most of his work, other than the faces, is pretty good, but. He does a lot of sing face here on this issue. <laughs> like if you ever watch or, or read, or the, if you ever watch anime or read manga, you'll see so many artists draw like the same face on every character, the same eyes, the same mouth, the same nose. Uh, it's it's like a, a disease almost in the uh, the anime community where everyone's face <laughs> looks the same. And I feel like there's a little bit of, of that happening in this issue. Okay. Same fa facialitis? 
Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's cool. But yeah, Phoenix Bird looks great. Um, and did he? So Rosenberg, I thought did a pretty good job with the colors too. Um, yes. Particularly with you know the fire stuff and then the light and the dark. Um, so I thought this was. Um, Probably my least favorite of the series so far, just overall. Um, but what do you guys think? I think... It, I don't know if I said it before, but I do think this miniseries should have been two issues long, three issues long, maybe. Because um, this just felt sort of like trundling along until something actually happens. Right. Fight scene. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. just like fight scene, and now something actually the plot actually moves forward. Uh, it just sort of, I don't know. It was all right. Here you go. My professional opinion. I could, I could see that. For me, I enjoyed that it wasn't like all fight all the time. There's a lot of character interaction, and I feel like the characters are written like they should be. They feel like the X Men. Where in right. other books, they may not always feel like the characters they're supposed to be. So I enjoyed it from, from that perspective. And, you know, artwork-wise, this may not be his best work, but I wouldn't say, you know, this artwork looks looks bad in, in no. Oh, no. either. Oh, no, no, no. And there are a couple of panels that are really awesome. Um, and there's, you know, Nightcrawler only appears, I think, twice. But the first time he appears, he looks really, uh, really nice. And there's a couple of... Uh, a beast, beast panels as well that I, I really enjoy. So maybe it's not the best issue out of here, but um, it was it was fine. Yeah. So what do we think about Old Man Logan going in the diner? Because I won't I won't bitch too much about how I don't like Logan and Gene. I'll kind of just let that. I don't blame that on Rosenberg. He's just using the history he has. <laughs> so. But they explain it. Well enough, don't they? That this is yeah. the gene that right, Scott right. knows, so yeah. it, it makes some sense. Yeah. But yeah. would it be the would it be the gene old man Logan knows? Is the question. Probably not. Anyway, um, <laughs> not the exact one, but they would have more history, quote unquote, shared history together, right? She commanded gene goes, "What has happened? You're so old. <laughs> <laughs> How long have I been dead?" <laughs> that have been refreshing, but um. I, don't, I honestly, at this point, I was like, let's just get to the point where she, she comes back. <laughs> at the end of the show, I was like, let's just, let's just get there. I, d- I, d- I didn't mind it wasn't young Jean, young Scott or whatever. It would have been nice if it was young Jean. That would have been interesting. But she's nowhere to be found. No, no, yeah. she's, she's yeah. missing. All right, cool. What do you want to grade Phoenix Resurrection number four? Silence. Silence. Right okay. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm going to give um, it three I, out of six claws. Fair enough. I'll, I'll give it three out of six. I think I like the artwork more than you guys, so I think I'm going to give it four out of six. Sounds good. All right. Well, Dan, you want to hit up number five, the conclusion? Yes. So the conclusion is written by, still written by, uh, Rosenberg. Um, you and Joe Bennett on artists, on artists, on pencils. Oh, <laughs> I have images of the, I have images of them both on top of each other, just trying to draw <laughs> panels. Um, stupid me, stupid brain. Um, we've got um, I can't say his 
second name, uh, Jerry Alguinan and Ladino Bredo, Brabo, sorry, on Inkers, uh, Michelle Rosenberg, colorists, and the cover is by you and Nolan Woodard. What do you all think of the cover? The victorious Jean riding into battle Meh. with the X-Men. <laughs> yeah. All I can see is tits. Yeah. Is that, that other... It's that, other, it's that other cover where she was in the grave. Right. Just, just breasts. Yeah. Yeah. Storm I think it would have been right. better if, <laughs> if you had given all the guys breasts too. Like if everyone had boobies, I'd like this cover better. Good call. <laughs> I also think, I, I keep, I'm wondering what, if, if Storm's wearing a jacket as well as her cape. Because there's a lot going on behind it. <laughs> um, She's like, going to have a butterfly points? cape. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it it exists. The cover. My favorite part of the cover is actually Iceman's ice, like his little ice cliff. That's my favorite part. <laughs> wow, if that's your favorite part, that's saying a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that's like me saying that my favorite part is the smoke around Nightcrawler. <laughs> I think that's a valid criticism. <laughs> <laughs> Nightcrawler looks um, crappy on this cover. Yeah, I don't know what's wrong with him. He had. He said he hasn't put he's put product in his hair for sure. Yeah, yeah, uh, and lost about forty pounds. Yeah, he looks like and a his legs. Addict. <laughs> and, and his legs have gone missing. Uh, <laughs> Beast ate him. Uh, <laughs> and it looks like Beast got his, uh, on mine because it's uh, on my pad. It actually looks like Beast got his tongue out. If I zoom in, it's his teeth. Oh uh, yeah, so. I think so. I think it's his little fangs. <laughs> anyway, oh, moving on. Moving on. Inside the diner, uh, Logan just, you know, sits down, has some fun, talks to Jean. Jean smiles. Logan has no eyeballs. No one has any eyeballs. Everyone's closed, got the closed <laughs> eyes. For some um, they touch. Uh, basically, they have a little bit of a, a conversation until Wolverine decides to, like, slash open Annie's neck, as you do. Um, and complain about the coffee. Um... <laughs> And obviously, when Annie gets her neck slashed, uh, the Phoenix is none too happy, and the X Men outside suffer a little bit of a quake and a rainstorm. Um, Logan's basically like, "Are you going to remember, Jean?" And then she's like, "Yes, I remember." Logan, red eyes, explosion of fiery death. Jean, uh, uh, Logan's tossed from the building. Only Nightcrawler standing, and then Jean comes in sexy new black and red number. I think I really quite like that panel. Yeah, I do too. Okay, quite like it. Anyway, um, and she hulks out and Hulk just stomps next to everyone. Everyone has a nice little conversation. She all Phoenix explodes. It's her fight, as Kitty pronounces. And the rest <laughs> of the uh, issue essentially just um, goes on in a really nice, ta- nice uh, tangent. It's not a tangent. A nice little sort of Jean's going to just sort out some shit and have a like, face-to-face with the Phoenix. Which includes pet visions of the past and even bringing back Cyclops, which I don't know how to feel about that entire sequence of events. Um, <laughs> especially after he dies in her arms and <laughs> she basically treats the Phoenix like a clingy ex-boyfriend <laughs> and um, goes through several iterations of herself until she just wants to live. It shrinks into nothingness and... Disappears. She's happy to live again. Everyone's sort of happy. It's raining. There's Cyclops' dead body. 
I'm all like, welcome home, Gene. The end. Right. So, Georgie, you made a comment that I slightly contested um, the first time we talked about these books, and you said that you wish you had done the art the whole time. I'm going to circle uh, back and agree with you, especially after reading uh, this issue. I wish you had just done the whole series. Um, it's not perfect, but it has a good tone, and when this book switches art, it really suffers, in this issue particularly. And I like Joe Bennett overall. I do not care for his work on this series. What do you guys think about the art? I feel like... The, yeah. Uh, yeah, Bennett doesn't do the... Emo- uh, he has to pick up the emotional weight of Gene's sort of... resurrection, final goodbye to the Phoenix, and it doesn't visually go anywhere. Sort of just there. As opposed to like, and you, I agree that it works when it was you. Yeah, I feel totally. Like if, he, if if he was the full book, I think it would land the visual emotions more than just like the writing doing all the work near the end. Yeah, sure, um, sure. No, I, I totally agree. It's it's a bit of a shame. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a shame. I mean, my, my issues. Art-wise, even even though Bennett's on here, they're not. Once again, it's not an awful work. Um, it's it's kind of jarring, I would say. And there are a couple of panels of Gene that look a little bit like monstrous. Um, <laughs> that panel before she pushes God away, I, I don't even know what's going on there. It's like her own telekinesis pulled gave her like really bad Botox and pulled yeah, her yeah. pulled her face back like. <laughs> Yeah, she gets huge forehead. Her is almost like Medusa hair in a lot of these panels. <laughs> She's giving a lot of face, that's for sure. Yes. Yeah. But I do enjoy, uh, as Dan mentioned, that, and, and really this, this whole series is just about Jean figuring things out for herself and coming to terms with the Phoenix, and there's not a big final action piece that sets everything off, that it's, it's her just coming. Yeah. Like, like finalizing this relationship with, with the Phoenix and just becoming herself again. However, like Dan, I have issues with the Cyclops coming back. One, because I wish he was back back because I, I like Cyclops. Uh, and the other is it's weird for her to like resurrect him and then f- to be in love even though they weren't a couple for the you know a super long time and the way that he died was with with the white queen and they had that you know giant uh, i mean that was so important was their relationship together like he had moved on and so bringing him back to life to a point where he was still in love with gene gray and then having him die again it just seems but, not only repetitive but like untrue to where that character was at the time that he died but it's not really him is it i guess it's some idealistic memory that the phoenix is trying to offer gene saying this is what you could have I mean, this is what right you right right remake. and so i and i think i think rosenberg does something kind of um really deaf there is that he really mirrors that scene you know we, we joked about the the new mexico mountain but but he really echoes that scene you know when they when they first consummated their physical relationship even uh-huh. down to the you know i can control your optic blast um, and so right, I think, right. I think it really plays on a, a specific memory 
And to me, that's not as um, as offensive as if we just like really brought Scott back and then killed him right away. Like it always, it kind of makes sense in her emotional journey. Yeah, I don't have. It's not the whole. It's not every piece that, that Cyclops is there that I have issues with. It's more of the death scene uh, that I I don't really appreciate going through again. But yeah, because <laughs> the, the the other images of her past or what he's trying to entice are just like dis- dismissed. This actual physical dead body is still there at the end. That's exactly, true. exactly. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and I do love the I do love the line "We were better off dead." Yeah, which is like when she says it to me, I thought that was a really great moment. But I do think it's slightly um, bringing Scott like this back after everything that's happened. That both her and Scott, before she died uh, in New X Men, got to the point where it's okay. You're with you. We both sort of moved on. I'm right. becoming my own woman without you, and you're moving on with. Emma Frost, and I just I just felt it was slightly weirdly cheap to sort of because the book, um, all of the books play on nostalgia. All of the X books at the moment play on nostalgia, and it's great to like sort of run through every version. I thought the scene where it runs through every version of Jean was a better play on nostalgia than trying to like sort of bring that moment back. And with and with with it echoing that Emma was almost upset that all he ever still thought about. Was it in issue three of this? Where he's like, I know exactly where she's going to be because it's what he always thought about and it's one of the most important things. Which still sort of tarnished, makes Jean's and Scott's relationship much more important than it it was in the recent years. Um, but I, know, right. I, just, I found it I found it bizarre. Like, it was fine for him to come back and be like a hologram or whatever, but to be actually sort of dismissed and then his carcass is at the bottom when they're like welcome home gene yes he just laid down yes. the floor. i'm like i feel like it's just, it feels bizarrely disrespectful to, to cyclops as a character as a whole yeah no one's even like, looking at him like there's this um, like dried up almost like zombie body of cyclops dead on the ground and no one's even paying attention no one even cares and if you saw if you saw the panel of when she's holding him and saying i'll always love you scott summers it reminds me of x-men 3 where she murders scott um, in that sequence where she's like kisses him and he just dies right. in that film, yeah. and it kind of echoes that. Right. It feels like she's drained the life out of him so she can fight the phoenix again. <laughs> I'm just like, it just I don't know. There's just moments of it that I just felt a little sort of. Overall, I think this is the strongest issue of the entire series. Yeah, right? because it has a great emotional and character-driven right. driven idea, and the ending's perfect. Which I think I think Cyclops was maybe. Making him actually a dead body was the reason I have issue with it. Like, if he sure. was just just a, a, a memory, then fair. If it was just a... It feels a little bit more real. Just having true, the, true. Yeah, I, didn't think I, love her, yeah. I love her conversation with the Phoenix. I really do. I do, too. I do, too. I don't, but see, again, though, the art almost takes away from it, except for... Yes. So that panel, the panel you talked about where it goes through the progression of genes, the Phoenix looks great because it looks like this proud, regal entity... Right. Is losing an yeah. argument, but then and I don't even have a problem with it shrinking. It's really that one where Jean drops her mask, and the Phoenix is like, "You'll die without me, Jean Grey. The people you love will die." And it, and it looks like the Phoenix <laughs> is a, it's about to cry. Like, yes, yes, his mouth is trim, his beak is trembling, his eyes are watering, and I even like the visual of it shrinking. But even as it shrinks and like goes away. Like he's like goodbye, Jean Grey. <laughs> you know, it's like, why is it so wimpy? I don't understand why it's so wimpy. But it just got dubbed. Yeah, it just got, it just dubbed. got dubbed. Poor Phoenix Power, man. 
But I do really love the, in fact, probably Bennett, I think, strongest visual panel is the one at the bottom of that page as the flame disappears from her hand. And Jean kind of realizes that, yeah, I made the right decision, but I just gave up a lot. And that kind of emotional, like to me, that's where Bennett does a good face, where she's like, right. like in anguish in the rain. Like that's probably one of his strongest panels in this issue. I, I totally agree. Um, yeah, I agree. I also uh, think um, his his kissy pride on the next page, where it looks like she's about to gag oh, yeah, at the dead body, is uh, um, my favorite my favorite visual <laughs> gag of, of of the whole series. Can we point out that that as there's dead Scott on the ground, his his suit has form fitted to his like skeleton body. Yeah, shrink shrink wrap. Yeah, he's shrink, shrink wrap. Yeah. yeah, he almost looks like Dead Man from. Uh, from DC, here. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I, I feel like only Bobby's looking at his body. just <laughs> kind of like Bobby's just horrified. <laughs> I don't know, Dan. I like the idea that there's a panel right after this that got cut out of the book, where Kitty's like puking in the puddle. <laughs> yeah. No one else is that bothered. This right. is fine. Right. But, it's like, I wonder if Marvel was like, uh, you know, we killed Cyclops once for you guys. You still don't like him? Fine, we'll kill him again. Are you? Can we get over this now? <laughs> I feel like it's Marvel that doesn't like him, and the fans don't really mind anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Well, so since this is the podcast that goes snicked, I want to go back to the beginning for just a second. I do like the the conversation between Logan and Gene, and I like the where you shows the panel with the close up on the fist. And you see the claws just barely starting to come out. And he's yes, like, yes. I'm going to need an answer, sweetheart. And you can tell like he doesn't want to do this, but he's just so worried about what's going to happen. And then she just, like, like Dan said, just throws him out of the out of the diner all burned up. I just thought that was a really great sequence. Mm. I think okay. overall this is my favorite, my favorite issue of the whole thing. I could have just had this as the issue. Like the whole miniseries could have just been this, this, this issue, and I'd have been like, "It's perfect. It's yeah. fine." No, I agree. <laughs> I agree. So I really struggled with what to to grade this. Um, I kind of want to give it five, and if you had done the whole issue, I probably would definitely give it a five. Right. I'm a little more on the fence because I didn't care as much for the art the second half of the book. So I guess I'll, I'll see what you guys do, and then I'll react accordingly. <laughs> what are y'all going to get? I feel very similar, Jason. I w- I'm, like, fluctuating between a four and a five. Um, I think I have to give it a strong four. All I right. just, I feel like it's hard. Five, six is almost, you know, it's, like, really, really good with some minor issues. Like there are too many minor issues uh, in the art department for me to to give it a five, so I think I give it a strong four. Okay. Um, I think it's more deserving of a strong four than a than a low five. Right. Yeah, I I probably give it a strong four because I have more issues with it than pluses. But it doesn't mean the strong four is still a good comic book. Oh yeah. 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 So. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, now I'll 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 stay in step with you guys, and we'll all give Phoenix Resurrection number five a hearty four out of six claws. And so now we have our I guess our our post mortem. <laughs> yes, exactly. A, a Phoenix Resurrection tie-in with the finale of the Jean Grey series number eleven, and young Jean, who was 
totally absent that whole series gets her kind of close to the chapter. So, Georgie, what do we got? All right. So this is Jean Grey number 11, writer Dennis Hopeless, artists Victor Ibanez and Alberto Albuquerque, colorist J. David Ramos, letterer V.C.'s Travis Lanham, and on the cover we have David Yardin. Um, so uh, this front cover, we've got young Jean Grey pointing to the skies in front of her like it's battle time with, with all the people she visited in the See, previous issues. You say battle time, I say disco dancing. Yeah, yeah, is that too? <laughs> what do you guys think of this cover? Other than the disco dance, I actually kind of like it. I think, so I really like when people do like black costumes and they do like color highlights to show like creases and stuff. I think this this cover has an unfortunate example of that, where young Jean has some weird, like, camel toe, almost. Yeah. Um, I'm not a fan of that. Other than that, though, I think it's a good cover. I enjoy I, I like the cover. I thought it was a nice sort of, this is this is the end kind of cover. This is where the journey leads. Sure. And she's pointing, pointing directly at the finish line. <laughs> I uh, you know, it's been a while since we had a Jingri issue. It's been a while. So I forgot. I've forgotten about how she she had an issue with Psylocke. So that was a uh, like, oh yeah. And uh, so it's good to see those those supporting characters, quote unquote, back for her. Uh, but now looking at this issue, I'm I want a series that's uh, Doctor Strange and Thor Odin's son, just like Axe Bros. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that talking about how the cover is grouped. I would also really like a Psylocke Quentin Choir book. Oh, yeah. That'd be fun. No one wants a Neymar Scarlet Witch book, then. Is that, is that not, not what people want? <laughs> well, as long as there's no Scarlet Witch, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Alrighty, so let's, let's, let's dive into this. Um, so Jean has, young Jean was absent from the, the Phoenix miniseries, and where has she been? She's been in hell. Um, and so basically, all these demons are, are coming up to, I don't know, eat her, kill her. Uh, she starts fighting them off, and she's, she's flying through what she thinks is hell. Um, and she's running into big monsters here and bad people there. Uh, and then she runs into someone who's holding the soul blade here. Um, Dark so, child. I'm sorry? Dark child, right? Isn't that magic's demon name? Yep, yep, yep. Yep, yep, yep. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> um, and so Jean conjures up a, a psi weapon to, to fight her off. Um, we have some nice sword fighting panels, I guess. Um, she eventually beats her and realizes she's in, in, in limbo, I guess. Um, then she's transported to caveman times for some reason. Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, and then someone starts fighting her in caveman times who looks like a Jean Grey from the caveman era. Yeah, from Marvel Legacy number one. Yeah, prehistoric phoenix. Prehistoric phoenix. Hooray. (laughs) Um, then she's transported to the future. Uh, and she sees sentinels destroying everything. A giant sentinel comes to attack her, and then she's attacked by Rachel Summers with her her dogs here on leashes uh, and S and M gear. <laughs> and she's she's 
beaten up until she uses all of her power to, to knock everyone away. Um, she and, and Rachel have some conversation. They fight for a bit. Um, and then she's with the Shi'ar for some reason. Um, and they're fighting some dude who reminds me a lot of uh, Lo. Uh, or what's Dark, Dark Side's uh, uh, son's oh, name? The, not, oh, uh, Calabac? Calabac. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it reminds me a bit of Calabac as well. Yeah. He's from Ed Brubaker's run, isn't he? The guy with yeah. the sword. Isn't this the same guy that was in the Excalibur annual? Um, no, no, no. I don't think so. Oh, no, no you're right, you're right, so. you're right. I'm sorry. This is the guy from the Chris... That the Rachel Chris... dated. Yeah, right. Okay. Um. So they have a fight, and he's stomping on her head until she gets up angry and, and blows up the planet. Um, and then she wakes up and it's 19, I don't know, 65 and she's back in the old X mansion and both Beast and Cyclops are like checking her out and wanting to, to chat her up. Um, she goes downstairs and like 13 year old Bobby with like a bull haircut and Angel are watching the TV. And Bobby <laughs> looks so young in this issue. Yeah, he does. Um, so she's like, what's going on? And then the disembodied head of Professor Xavier shows up. Uh, they, they have sort of a battle here. Uh, she realizes that she's been in the, in the white room, and she has a talk with the Phoenix as well. Uh, some sort of, I don't know, flame fighting happens. There's some conversation, and then she's resurrected in the snow uh, where uh, she disappeared previously. Uh, and then she makes her way to Manjapur. Uh She joins the young X-Men again, like like they don't even blink an eye that she's even been missing for some reason. <laughs> she goes to take a nap, and then old Jean Grey, all new old Jean Grey, walks in on her, and she's like, "We gotta talk." Yeah. So, um, what did you guys think overall? I'd rather let's let's skip the overall. Uh, let's put that in a hold. What do you think of of the story? Um, you know, I, I have a couple of, a couple of points. Uh, dealing with the young X Men, you've had kind of a lot of unfulfilled promise in regards to how they relate to their older selves. Um, Angels pretty much ignored the whole Archangel aspect. Um, Beast is kind of, I guess, just also ignored. Scott, we had this big promise of like this almost confrontation between not wanting to be older Scott, but it hasn't really done anything with it. Right. So what you're saying is you're not talking about this issue specifically. You're talking about since well, the young X-Men have come I, to the future. Yeah, but I'm getting to this issue and then I feel like this finally kind of achieved some of that potential and having right. Gene actually have a good confrontation with the Phoenix Force. Um and, and, and really the way she plays on, I'm not even the gene you really want. I'm like, you're a reject gene. And like you kind of had like a little temper tantrum about that and tried to erase me, but I'm not going to be erased. I, I think there's a really strong story told here. Um, and one that I think, you know, everyone writing the young X-Men characters could take a page from. Is, is the conflict between young gene and, and older gene? Well, yeah, or, or just a conflict in her and her fate, like right, right, like the conflict between her and the Phoenix Force as what she's been trying to avoid. You know, maybe not that Cyclops needs to like have old Cyclops come back for that to happen, but you know, have him actually deal with what we've been told he's going to deal with, 
with like not wanting to be, you know, so so hard and emotionally numb or whatever he's trying to escape from, you know, have oh. Beast say, and I, I guess we're doing that subtly with Beast and when we get to X-Men Blue that he's trying to fix time instead of break time, but that seems a little sketchy. Um, but I think this, this Hopeless here really delivers on the idea of Gene, this whole 11 issues has really like gone on a journey to actually tackle her quote-unquote destiny head-on, and she comes out ahead and comes out a more likable character to me than she's ever been. And to me, this series just kind of puts a bow on all that, and I'm sorry, this issue puts this a really nice conclusion to the series. Yo, I agree. Uh, this, this miniseries has done a lot to not resurrect, I mean, obviously sort of resurrected Gene, um, but to reshape people's view of what Jean Grey was, what what her character was and could be, and actually has made someone like me who doesn't like Jean Grey uh, a fan of this younger Jean Grey. So yeah. overall, as a series, I've really enjoyed it. Um, what do you think, Dan? Especially, you know, the the moments of this issue. What are your What are your thoughts? I feel like. Um... Although I completely agree that the journey of the whole series works, I think for this issue, it's sprint to the finish. Uh-huh. Um, and I felt like... It, it didn't give you chance to sort of digest what was going on until we had this massively... Um, <laughs> kind of like the last issue we just talked about, a moment where Jean and the Phoenix have a good discussion which is the most important part in crux. And then I, what I do appreciate is that even though it stamps Phoenix Resurrection on the front cover, it has literally nothing to do with that <laughs> miniseries. And, it, and it, it completes its journey without sacrificing itself for older Jean's journey. I do think the pacing of the issue is a bit off. And right. um, the art throughout has really strong panels. Like I quite like the stuff in Hell. I think visually that looked really interesting in places, but I thought that some of it, like, what the hell was going on with Rachel? I, I couldn't even... Yes, yes, like, it just yes. Looked, it, looked, it looked odd, and, like, crazy cavewoman Jean looked like crazy cavewoman Jean, <laughs> like giant bulging eyes, and um, which kind of took me out of the story, but the, the crux of, of it and the fact that she has grown as a character and Hopeless has kind of evolved what he was doing in all new X-Men, or what you try to do in all new X-Men with the other kids, maybe they're just not as interesting as Jean. <laughs> maybe um, not. I don't know. When it comes to, like, past reflecting the future. And I do feel like it's a satisfying conclusion, but I also feel that that final panel is like a, is like a ridiculous where's my 12th issue where old and young Jean talk to each other. Yes, yes. <laughs> I feel like, I feel, I feel that, that, that almost like I enjoyed that it had nothing to do with Resurrection, but please don't sort of the only other person that means anything about the growth of young Jean Grey at this point would be a conversation with an elder Jean Grey. You you can't just give me a panel and then just go. <laughs> it's the beginning and the end, obviously, or whatever it says sm- smugly at the end at the bottom there, and I'm just like, well, that's nice. It's <laughs> 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 like cheers. Um, I just feel like it undercuts. Like she's got so much growth, and then it's like, uh, I feel like that's a that's a that's a conversation that 
could be really interesting, especially in Hopeless Hands. And I feel like it's something that would have really capped the series off as a total, where she literally comes face to face with the ghost of her future, which she hasn't yet at all, right. and all of the others have. Right, that's something they were really hinting at, especially in the issues where she heard that voice that was like the uh, dead Jingri talking to her. Um, that was sort of dropped. And and you're right, we do need some sort of conversation between young Jean and old old Jean. And it's not something, you know, spoiler alert, I guess, that we, we see in X-Men Red. So I'm not sure no. where we'll ever see that, right? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if, if Colin Bunn will try to tackle some of that in blue, like little flashbacks or, or red will eventually get there. I, I'm kind of not to play on the author's name. I'm kind of a little hopeless that we'll ever see anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's disappointing would, that way. I would actually prefer it if, um, to go on a slight tangent about the young ones, I promise it'll be under a minute. I prefer if the young people are in red, the young X-Men right. and that they quickly vanish and fix the time and it's time to put them all to bed. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I'm, I'm on board with that. So even though I want to see that issue, I wouldn't mind if they're all just swept under the carpet and <laughs> back in their own time period and we can move forward away from this, uh, this moment that seems to be just a weight around the Xbox necks. Right. I feel that like moment. So we shall see. Okay. okay. Well, what do you so want what to... would you guys uh, rate this issue? Hmm. I think I like the art more than you guys did. Because I'm, le- I'm leaning towards a five. I, I mean, I, I would agree with you. I'm leaning towards a five. I think we, we get some, just some inconsistency again with, with right. panels. There's some really wonderfully drawn panels and pages and, and, and fights, but also some some rough ones like the uh, Rachel with her dogs when they come uh, across her and the alley look kind of funky and there's a couple other panels that are kind of rough. Yeah. So it's, it's a little inconsistent. So I think I'm going to, you know, personally, I'm going to stick with a strong four uh, with this uh, well worth reading. Nice conclusion to the, the mini series, but a little, little hit and miss. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and go five out of six. What are you going to do, Dan? I think I'm going to go with four. Okay. But altogether, uh, you know, quite nice. I'm glad we read this. Yeah, me too. Me too. All right. Well, that brings us to kind of the moment at hand, you know, <laughs> almost an hour into the episode. Um, <laughs> we're finally ready to talk about X-Men Red, which I've seen a lot of conversation about, and I've been really anxious to talk to you guys about. So, Dan, why don't you kind of start us off, but we'll probably do this one you know, pretty Pretty groupish. I'm a tag team it. Yeah, baby. Red alert then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was so bad. I apologize to everyone listening. That was just... Best moment of the podcast right there. <laughs> anyway, um, right, so it's written, it's written by Tom Taylor. Um, artist is Mahmoud Azwa, who is a really nice person. Um, I met him in person. He's lovely. Oh, nice. Um, um, colorist is um, Ive uh, Svozina. Um, Lara Cor Petit and is it um, which cover do you guys have because I've got like a Travis Charest uh, is yes. the cover of mine yeah that's the one I have I was hoping I, I could so. find the variant with the team shot but but I got the the, the Travis Charest one which by the way if you have if you buy physical copies of the book has been on the back of every Marvel issue for like the last three weeks <laughs> <laughs> 
So I've seen this cover so much, I'm kind of sick of it. So what do you think uh-huh. of this this over over publicized cover then? <laughs> um, so not just the fact that I'm tired of it. I don't. I used to love Travis Terrace in the '90s when he was doing Wildcat stuff. Um, I I adored his art. I thought it was really great. I kind of didn't know he was still doing stuff, to be honest. Um, and I like the white background. I'm not sure what's going on with uh, Gene's power, and I'm. As much as I love Azrar, and I'm going to say a lot of good things about his art, I'm not sure about this uniform design. Mm. Well, do you know what's really weird? Is that in the context of everything we've just read, to have fire around her, I feel that's just bizarrely wrong. Yeah, right? Because she just mm-hmm. gave that, all of that up. She sacrificed right. it. Yeah. I, like, I love her face in this game, and I love her hair. Um, but that's about it. I, I think I'm more positive on this. I, at first, I didn't really like the costume design. I, you know, the shoulder pads especially felt too warlike. But and now that I'm looking at it again with sort of fresh eyes, I mean, just artistically, uh, I think it's really well drawn. I do like how the fire is sort of almost like lightning uh, in the way that it's wrapped around her, her hands and, and flying up. Um, and... I mean, I personally, I just like it. And, and the more I look at it, the more it reminds me of the female character from the Road Warrior who's on top of the truck with, like, the, the bow and arrow, the costume. Am I dating myself? No, no, Has you're good. You're good. Here? Uh, it reminds me of Donald <laughs> Duck. I feel like she's not wearing pants. <laughs> Alrighty then. <laughs> That will probably be the last negative thing I say about this issue. So. Hashtag pantless Jean Grey. <laughs> uh, how do we start off, Dan? Uh, with, a, with a young Heather asleep in her bed, warned psychically that someone's coming. And it's an angry, torch-bearing mob that your country's probably seen too many of. Uh-oh. And um, she jumps out of the, the bedroom, out of the window... She lands without breaking any bones, so she's clearly a mutant. And um, as she's running, she trips, falls, and who's holding a gun in her face? Her own mum. Oh, my dear. Uh, but it, help is at hand in the form of um, Donald Duck-inspired costumed Jean Grey, um, who stops every single bullet with a fud. Um, yeah, some TK shielding. Exactly, and Laura and Kat jump in with their new costumes, help the girl, and Kat teleports her. It's bam, 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 shark, and oh, yeah. poor, girl's <laughs> poor girl's a bit scared, and then team, team shot, and Jean's are like, the hate can't reach you here, which is a fantastic line. Um, Why don't we think of Cerebro? <laughs> It made me laugh. (laughs) I feel like I feel like that would have been better if they had just gone if Taylor had gone ahead and gone the extra line and said that was Gabby's choice to name this because that's so something (laughs) she would do. If if you've been reading Taylor's all new, that's exactly something Gabby would say. Yes, I do. I love Gabby's line. If I call him Harold. (laughs) Oh yeah. So yes. let's take a minute here to look at, at the cast of, of this X-Men Red team. Um, 
because I think this is a really interesting cast, and I, I really do love the the new uniform on Nightcrawler. I love the way all these characters mm-hmm. are drawn. Um, what do you guys think of this cast? I, I think it's going to be really interesting. Yeah, me too. I'm um, glad Namor is back. Yes. And and the fact that Gentle, who's Wakandian, um, is with Namor, who basically flooded his <laughs> his country, that, that that might cause some drama later on. And I, I just I I love the fact that there's Wol, Wol, uh, Wolverine and um, Gabby in it. Yes, Honey Badger. <laughs> yeah. So so Trinary, I guess, is our wild card, right? She's our new character. Um, no, I haven't read much of Gentle either, so he'll be fairly new to me as well. Same, same with me. What, what are his uh, powers? Um, he he, th- yeah. those bands around him are vibranium because it's to help keep him from ripping himself apart. Because he sort of grows slightly and is super strong. Okay. He's in like the, the new X Men age. He's not really in much. He's he's been quite a lot of the time. He's quite a background character, but gentle by name and gentle by nature is probably what I would describe him. Okay, so okay. He's a gentle giant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, how do you feel about the beginning of the book, though? I think it's a nice. You know what? You know what I think is cool about this book is, um, I think this opening sequence would make the, a great opening to like a TV series. Sure. Like I, like I can see like the way Azrar and the colorist and everybody does it. Like I can see this being like the pre-credit scene. Like a really cool X Men TV show. Yeah, I would love it. I mean, I love. I mean, spoiler alert! I'm gonna give this book a really nice grade. Um, but I, I love all the character interactions. I love the way that that Nightcrawler is like, take my hand, and she. she this little girl's afraid, and he's like, "Yeah, it's, it's three fingers, but no, it's still a hand." Yes, I, I got yes. you. Oh, it's, he sounds. He sounds like Nightcrawler in, yeah. in just what? one panel. He's done. <laughs> In just one or two panels, he's done more Nightcrawler talking than than Gold has in its entire run. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what like my my little heart, my little Nightcrawler fanboy inside me yes. is like. My God, is is he oh. actually back as a character? Well, you know, <laughs> he is. You know, you know I guarantee you, Taylor's going to get Nightcrawler. I promise yeah. you. Um, Definitely. And and all I have to say about Gold is this better mean Nightcrawler's just not in that book anymore. I, I just yeah. just put him right here. Let him be Nightcrawler, and let's just let's get on with with life. But we need to have him and Rachel in their relationship. No, that no, no, came out of not. nowhere. We don't need anything from that book. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's talk about Red some more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. So yes, after that, um, like you're saying, the sort of pre-credit sequence, um, two months earlier. Um, on Roosevelt Island, there's a card card jacking happening, and unfortunately, there's a baby on board, and it's not a baby you want on board, <laughs> as it has some sort of deadly um, sonic cry powers. And who's on the scene? But Wolverine and Honey Badger. And <laughs> I generally love this scene where she just puts her hand over its mouth. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. And how realistic the car looked like. Aswar really did a great oh, job just, on the car. That that page is just like the car with the sound effect is is awesome. Um, the baby crying um, and how the baby kind of gets shocked and like still for a second when Wolverine puts her hand over her mouth. Um, it's great. And then the panel uh, where you see Wolverine like lose her hand except for the 
the bone, but yeah, so I guess that's just power related because her, her normal skeleton is just regular skeleton, right? It's just her claws right. and her adamantium. So I thought that was an interesting choice, but. I, yeah, I love so that whole she, sequence. I, you know, I don't get, get to talk, talk about Gabby very much, but I do love that uniform where her whole face looks like uh, the Wolverine mask. Or, sorry, her whole costume looks yes. like the Wolverine mask. Yeah, yeah I want that hoodie. <laughs> it's uh, it's a great uh, couple of pages here. It just looks great. It, it really does. Um, but yes, Wolverine loses her hand, and uh, they go flying into the sky and. As Gabby sort of screams out mm. slightly, um, she's all a bit perplexed as they start floating. Right. right. Can, hey, can we take just a, a quick second? I know I don't get to talk all new Wolverine with you guys as much. Can I just really, really highlight just how well Taylor does with these characters and the, and the subtle differences between like how Laura would react and how Logan would react? Yes. Like, when oh. she gets her hand blown off and doesn't even skip a beat. And I'm not saying that Wolverine would go berserk on a baby. That's not what, or Logan would. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. But he would at least like be like, "Damn it!" or, or something like, you know, he'd get angry, and I don't think he he would do anything. But you know, he'd be pretty miffed. And Laura's just like rolling with it. I know I'm gonna heal. It's just a baby. Let's just let's do what we need to do and, and keep going. And I just and that subtle kind of just sweetness and compassion that Laura has that Taylor has done her whole series and just developing and defining who Laura is going to be forever and ever is right. just, I just want to really draw attention to that. Oh yeah. I, I love Laura. And uh, to go on a, a tiny tangent um, last week, I went to a comic book club meeting and we talked about uh, the first trade with Laura where uh, honey badger is, is introduced. And you know, the, the points that we, we, we really liked about that book were how she does feel different from Wolverine, where she's sort of gotten over her past and she's trying to become something better and something kinder and gentler, where Wolverine always seems, sorry, Logan always feels like he's stuck in that dealing with his past. She's, she's a, you feel like she's a very different character and Taylor writes her so well. It's, uh, yes. it's, a, it's a joy to see her in another book. Yeah, I agree. She definitely deserves more exposure, that's for sure. Yep. But anyway, moving on. Jean's here to save the day with Nightcrawler and Toe. And um, Toby is the child's name. And I really like this picture with the car in the background and Jean holding Toby walking oh, away. That's like one um, of the most tweeting really comic the... panels of the last couple of weeks. I probably just, and, and I, I just really like it. I like, I like the whole I won't let anyone hurt you. Yeah. It's just like sort of through line of the hate can't reach you. I will let you hurt. Like she's the, the Taylor sort of setting her up as like a maternal figure. Right. Throughout, throughout the book, which I think is, is a clever way to maybe go. Um, I agree. Jean. However, one of my minor issues throughout this book is that sometimes Jean feels like she's older Jean. And then there's a panel like here where she looks like she's 16 holding like, kid as she's walking away from the from the car she just looks young here yeah um, I, I agree she does look a little younger but it's fine I, i'll take it if i can keep having a book like this oh it's, um, it's like a minor minor quibble <laughs> so yes yeah, so they just got this um she talks she gives the, the baby to the parent they all talk about having powers, and Jean's like, don't worry, um, I'll be monitoring, Wolverine lives nearby. Um, and then we 
switch to uh, an American is this like a new show I imagine where the typical sure. um, talking you get yeah. time bomb bullshit and <laughs> 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 know, know, you know a little bit of hate and Jean just needs a bit of different perspective so she goes up flies up high and sort of telepathically reaches out to the world yeah. sort of, right almost like almost like Superman when Superman flies and listens to the the world um Great panel, great full page art. Yes, it is. I really like the word, the words are just really beautifully done. It's it's really hammering home. Like we know what younger Gene sounds like, but we haven't been with older Gene for such a long time. So it's nice to like sort of reestablish her. Um, and I think that Taylor's doing a a great job of highlighting like the character quirks of the rest of the team that we we see. Um, but really like going for. Who is Jean now that she's back? And I just love this whole idea that she gathers up um, the best and the brightest from around the world to like sort of um, crowdsource an idea. Yeah, crowdsource an idea, a way forward. And I thought that was a brilliant thing. And this this moment with Nightcrawler is my favorite moment. Yes. And it's not because I love Nightcrawler, but it's my favorite moment of the book. Because it speaks to both their characters and the whole mission statement of the of the book. Mm-hmm. I thought it's really strong. Yeah, and, and Nightcrawler does the switch from you to we, like like basically like yeah I'm, I've bought in and there's no way you're doing this without me. <laughs> like this mm. this is what the X Men are supposed to be doing, and I'm I'm it, here. Exactly, and um, once again, just highlighting how great a character Nightcrawler can be when written well uh, but I have a question because my my X-Men history is a little patchy how much interaction did these two characters actually have on a team together um so in the Burn Claremont run they were on the Uncanny team for a good decent ways I mean he was around for all the Dark Phoenix stuff yeah Right, but I feel like, like afterward, they haven't really been on a team for very, very no, long together. No, because no. he, quote-unquote, publicly died and went to Excalibur, and then, of course, Gene was an X-Factor. So. Right. But you can get the idea like, now that they look back on that time that the X-Factor guys and the X-Men guys were probably pen pals or something. <laughs> <laughs> Because I think they, they've been on teams like sort of per, before just before the two thousands, and then obviously there's that weird Claremont moment where Gene and Psylocke swapped powers, and let's not talk about that. Um, <laughs> but what I do like is no matter how much these two have interacted, Taylor has picked them because they are the heart, literal heart and literal soul of the X-Men. Right. And I thought that was a nice sort of like this sort of. Um, Feels like a schematic idea that, um, like a, an actual pick of this. I wonder if Taylor just smashed open the X office and was like, I'm having Nightcrawler, turned around and walked away. And I was like, Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It feels like a really distinct choice on the writer's yes. part as opposed to an editorial. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Right. To have these two characters, because Gene's always considered the heart of Nightcrawler, has always been considered the soul. You know what I mean? So I just thought it was nice to have them together. And that he's the first one to be on board because he isn't what 
Lemire and Guggenheim and whoever has written him in, in you know recently he's not this weird broken thing that only fancies redhead chicks when he when writers deem fit he, he is <laughs> he is a genuine human being that believes in things right I thought that was quite a nice um moment how do you guys feel about um <laughs> apart from the panel of Neymar sat on his phone in his speedos I love he, that panel <laughs> they never they, Marvel never skips an opportunity to show him in some sort of provocative pose <laughs> just barely covering his genitals you know um, I do, love, I do like the fact that, talking about uh, clothing, I do like the fact that Jean constantly shifts clothing. She's not in the uniform. She's constantly shifted into different Right. Um, she's wearing, clothing. she's getting dressed in the morning. She's wearing clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so she goes to Neymar and she she, she talks about um, how Neymar is a mutant leading a nation and that her plan to succeed would need a nation behind, backing of the nation behind it. Um, which... Made me intrigued on what her plan was. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And, so, and and so, but the United Nations and she lays it, she lays it down. Uh, she lays she lays it down hard to the to the not pro mutants in the room. Where I love she's, how she's able to kind of bridge a gap between Atlantis and Wakanda. I thought that was great idea. Yeah. Mm. I really love that. Those are the two first two countries to stand up. It, it's such an interesting, like, interesting idea as well of um, that mutants should be recognised as not uh, in the United Nations as a voice, as a group. It's it's an interesting, like, sort of. It kind of reminds me of the Matt Faction time on uh, the island where they try to recognise themselves as a, their own nation. Well, they even um, talk right. about that a little bit, don't they? That they've had these failures of. I'm trying to set yeah. up a political nation state, so maybe we can be like an ideological nation state. And to me, this whole sequence is like everything the beginning of gold tried to be, but done right. <laughs> That's so bad. That's so true. And I, yeah, like you said, Atlantis and Wakanda are the first to stand up. Um, and then we're outside the United Nations, and of course, it's the British. That's the problem. Um, <laughs> and jerks. I know. And this, our British representative is talking to Jean. And that awesome. I must admit, I love her hair and suit combo. Yeah. She looks like she's, she's ready to deal business. But yes, this random uh, British civil servant has some sort of possession moment. Um, then goes full on scanners. Yes. Uh, in, front, in, front, in front of the world. Jean's a little shocked. Neymar jumps in front of her. Um, Wolverine slices some guns, and Nightcrawler's like, "We need to go." <laughs> and and then the big reveal of the main villain of the piece, which is um, yes. I generally thought was dead, but clearly I'm wrong. Um, <laughs> Cassandra Nova, and and then we have the slightly sad Jean and. Cassandra's never saying that they can, she can make them see red. Well, yeah, because we know Jean's going to get blamed for, for killing this representative. Indeed. Yeah. I love this final panel, by the way. This final panel of mourning is, is so beautifully um, uh, positioned. All the characters are in yes. such a great... Song. Yeah. Even it's even now, no, I name more standing off by himself. Um, yeah, 
I, I take issue with Jean's face in that panel. It looks, it doesn't look like her. It looks like someone else's face was transplanted <laughs> onto her, her skin. Um, it, it really I'm conveys the way she's feeling, but it looks like a different set of, of eyes and nose than, than what's shown in previous panels. I'd, I'd, I'd argue she's cry. She's probably just really upset. And of course, I, I understand that, but it still feels got a little a off. Face going on. Yeah. But nah, I I do really like um, that final panel. So, I'm assuming we liked X Men Red. I loved X Men Red. <laughs> I, I've been, you know, I was worried because I'd built this up so much in my head. I was like, oh, by the time we actually get here, it's, it's just not gonna, it's not gonna measure it's up. The, I just... the Xbox, <laughs> <laughs> right? It's the Messiah. It's the one we need. Yeah. Right. Like yeah yeah I, exactly it's just this idea that this is gonna be we're finally gonna have a good X Men book like just consistently all good and you know will it really deliver and and I gotta say for the most part it did I was I was excited coming in and excited coming out so I I think the key phrase in the key part of what you just said there uh, Jason was for the most part. And I would agree, for the most part, I really enjoyed this issue. I felt for the most part, the artwork was great. For the most part, the story worked really well. The characters were portrayed you know, very very truly. And it's an interesting kernel of an idea if they're going to start something new for mutants. However, I, I have maybe some problems with the, the final ending. Maybe we can get to after, after Dan uh, showers this with praise, though. <laughs> I really enjoyed X-Men Red. Um, I think outside of it being just an X-Book, it's a really good issue one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think structurally okay. it's it's really well put together. It, sure. Um, it, it sort of, we follow Jean. She's the, she's our eye, the audience eyes into this, into this idea. And I feel like Tom Taylor has made a book that isn't just for X-Fans, but people could just pick this up. And maybe read it because it's got enough in there to sort of give you what has gone before, and and it feels more like a, uh, we're getting in on the ground floor, which I think issue ones really do. You've introduced the main villain, you've introduced the concept of what the heroes are trying to achieve, you've introduced your thematic elements, the team, maybe not all of the team, but most of the team, and you've given a little bit of action, and sort of uh, I think it's quite a, a really well put together issue. I think it's really written beautifully in places um and i think the art overall for me is just lovely but i may be biased because i really like that's what's art um but I, I just and the color work is just astonishing that sunset in the background of the final panel is yeah. lovely uh, with sure. the clouding and um obviously I, I loved um his color work um because he usually does a lot of he said rebeck um, colors a lot of his Rubik's oh, art. Okay. Um, so I, I, generally, I generally like the colorist anyway, and I generally, I just, I just love, loved it really. Um, I had little moments where I'm like, meh, meh. Um, it's not perfect, but from what we've got, and I think it may have been for the simple fact that I read this after Gold. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I kind of was like, well, this is what I want. Who needs it? Let's just shred all the other ones oh. and um, <laughs> continue with this, then, shall we? So I might be a little bit more yeah. um, less uh, inclined to uh, be negative, in, not negative, but have problems with it. Right. Well, I, 
I'm interested to hear your perspective, George, because I really like the ending. I thought it took like, this really kind of pivotal scene at the UN where Jean proposes this idea, gets a lot of support, things are going her way, and then and something outside of her control is like destroyed in an instant. And now they're going to have sure. to fight to get that back. And I thought that was, I don't know, I don't know how good or not good I feel about Cassandra Nova being the villain, but I really like the idea that immediately like they build this up like Jean's doing this great thing she's got this great idea this great way to go about it a different plan and it's ripped out from under her now how how is the team going to respond and to me that's almost to me the hero and villain in this first issue is really the ideology and so the hero is this idea of trying to be optimistic and make the world a better place versus the enemy of kind of realistic crappy circumstances and how how as people do we live in a world where we, we want to make things better but things just keep kind of keep chipping away at our optimism if we let it and so I think from an ideological mental standpoint almost like the, the, the ideas behind this book are so much bigger than the characters or comic book fights it's, it's almost like a clash of worldviews, and I, I think Taylor does that without making it preachy, and to me, that's a fantastic and amazing. I will agree with 98% of what you said there, Jason. I love that this is about big ideas and big concepts and not punchy, fighty, kicky. Uh, here's a bad guy, you know, chop him into pieces and punch him in the face. Um, <laughs> and I like the, the start of this. We're going to have this new idea and you have hints of what she's trying to go for, but we still don't have, you know, what her plan really was, you know, fully fledged out. Um, you know, there are hints at the UN that she's trying to have something new for the mutants. Unless I miss something, it's not, you know, explicitly explained what she's fully trying to do, which I thought, all right, this is great. I'm interested. Uh, you're really teeing the ball up. So, uh, you know, this could be something great, but, you know, at the end, I feel like with this person being killed right in front of her and everyone thinks that she did it is so cliche. I don't know how many <laughs> times we've seen this in comic books. It's so disappointing uh, that instead of it being about ideas, now it comes down to there's a bad guy. And now we're going to have to fight the bad guy instead of tackling larger issues and larger ideas. Um, and then the second thing is Cassandra uh, Nova is such a, a nothing of a character. And I'm just so annoyed by her. And maybe that's partially because I had to review, uh, was it X-Men 92 for a while? And that book was <laughs> the worst thing ever I've ever I, read. I, I still owe you endless apologies for that. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not upset about you. And I, I, I didn't read that, a but... panel. <laughs> It was, that was some of the worst thing I've, uh, uh, so seeing her come in and to be the villain of the book was kind of a, it was a letdown. And part of that is, is just on me and personal taste. Uh, but I do feel like teeing up this idea of, of ideas, uh, in, in fighting for an idea and then that being knocked down for, for like a token, villain for them to fight against is, is disappointing. And that's why well, it, and it, it doesn't quite land for me. It depends on what Cassandra Nova were going for. Because if it's Morrison's Cassandra Nova, where she is an ideal on herself, and not just a duel, like, she begins as a duality of Xavier, but she's there to rip down his dream in by spreading her ideal and manipulating people into, like, sort of, 
creating a world that intolerates mutants. Um, yeah, I would agree that we have seen it many times where, oh no, head explode. It must be the black person that's right in front of us, fault, even though we live in a world of bizarre <laughs> shit, and we've seen this countless times. I would agree that, yes, it's a bit cheap, but I was kind of, I don't know, I'd say I was more interested in how they're going to recover that politically, um, and hoping that Taylor sort of doesn't just do the we must hunt for the villain storyline and actually has to give give them consequences within the frame of the United Nations and the idea they want to sort of make. Some of the best moments of Matt Fraction's run is when he took it politically um, outside of let's punch someone off the island and he was like well actually no let's, let's talk about how we're going to feed this island and like let's, let's like sit around a table and hash out what's going to happen here. And I, I'm hoping that maybe that would be more of a solution. And then we do sort of, we would probably have to fight Cassandra Nova. But I find it interesting that they've given it to her because she's obviously she's a telepath. And, uh, but then at the same time, would that echo what happened with the Red Skull uh, with Xavier's brain in Uncanny Avengers where he went around just making people go crazy? So... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited. I think I feel like if if Taylor was uh, for me, this 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 script has given me more confidence to say that he would probably be able to sort of work it um, as yeah. opposed to X Men Night Two, but which doesn't sure. work. <laughs> Look, I, I'm overall positive, and I feel like Taylor can can get a good story out of this. It's just you know maybe I'll after issue two or three, my uh, my my worries will be qualmed here, but uh, just there's a there's a small small piece of me that's that's a little bit like un, uneased by by this final two pages uh, which otherwise I feel is is an outstanding book that's fair sounds good so how how high I know we're all gonna be high how high are we gonna go on x-men red number one five I'm also gonna give it a five yeah I'm gonna give five out of six two but a very very strong five. Um, I don't really know like what it would need to get a six. It's almost there. It's just it's an intangible, not quite. But but it's really close for me. It, I I consider. I think it. I need to see the rest of the team. Yeah, I need to see like them before I can consider a six. Right, but I agree, Dan. The art, the pacing, like everything lined up for a great first issue. And I'm I'm super stoked to 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 hopefully have a long running X Men book that I can can love again. So. Yep. All Until right. we find out Tom Taylor's like thrown off after issue three. So no, 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 no. Oh god. No, no, oh, no, 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 no. Um, <laughs> all right, guys. So we're gonna kind of need to sprint to the end here okay, a little agreed. bit. Agreed. We're gonna have to. Uh, we're gonna have to. Uh, Jean Grey number eleven. This podcast episode. Um, <laughs> So, Dan, why don't you uh, quickly take us through the end of Cross Time Capers and X-Men Blue number 20. I think that's me. Um, oh, sorry, Georgie. Yeah. No worries. Um, so, X-Men Blue number 20, writer Colin Bunn, Penciler R.B. Silva, Inker, uh, Adriano Di Benedetto, color artist Doreen Barreto, letter of VCs Joe Caramagna. Uh, so, the cover, you've got the young X-Men, uh, with a bunch of white mist around them. It's a pretty nothing cover. Uh, uh, I really don't like it. I like it. I like all the white. 
<laughs> you like that half half the page has nothing on it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I kind of do. <laughs> I kind of feel like they're disappearing into the. You know what I like about? It? I kind of like it because I thought this was going to be the end. <laughs> I do like the fact that every cover of Beast on, he's just almost crying. Poor Hank. <laughs> Aside from the cover, I feel like the inside art is amazing in yeah. this book. Uh, just gorgeous. And and here we have the ending of the uh, Crosstown Capers, where the future X-Men led by, uh, Professor, I guess, is he even a professor? I don't know. Xavier Jr. Um, <laughs> fight the young X-Men. Um, and it's, it's an action-packed issue. Uh, they fight each other. Uh, they team up with uh, Magneto from the 60s, and he's spouting all evil talk, and he's wonderful. Um, things aren't quite going their way, but then uh, they they get all the other teams that they visited as they were hopping around time to join in, um, and they stand out. Part of this issue is this giant splash page that has everyone fighting everyone that is so unbelievably colorful and gorgeous and in action pack. I, I just, agree. Uh, I, I love this page. I have one question for you, George. I don't want to slow us down too much. Sure. But is New Young Angel fighting or just singing? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what he's doing. He's, <laughs> All right, he's, he's spread. He's almost like in a Messiah pose. Yes. I don't, it just looks wonderful. Yeah, I don't it does. Care. It, looks, it looks pretty great. Um, I, I especially love how the Gen X characters look look great in action here. Um, so basically, uh, they, they defeat these future X-Men. Um, they give Professor X, the real Professor X, a hug, and he's like, I seeded my idea throughout time so that you would come back and, and save us. They go back to the future, and uh, they talk to, you know, a current time Magneto who's like I have no idea what you happened and I wish I didn't know what, what had happened and uh, uh, he has flashes what they've gone through he sort of speaks to these future uh, X-Men and um, almost like confrontationally and that's where the issue ends yeah and uh, it, it ends with him murdering them off panel <laughs> I hope that's what happened, to be honest. <laughs> I thought, I, um, I recently read, um, I'll do it real quick, but I recently read All New X-Men and right. Run, and I actually feel sorry for half of them because I forgot they were all mind-controlled. What? Were they? Um, all but... Um, you mean the brotherhood? Xavier's son. Xavier's son and um, Xavier's two children, so the Mystique one and Xavier, they're not mind-controlled, but he actually controls the rest of them. That's right. What? I forgot about that from Battle of the Atom. Is that true? Isn't isn't Zorn like future Jean Grey? And yeah, but he he still control like in the second time they come back. Um, later on, he's control. He's literally manipulating them all. Especially I don't remember. I do not remember. Um, hey, baby so Magneto! Magneto kills them all. <laughs> Actually, maybe it's good that they're all dead. Um, right. I just remember he killed Colossus, which really future Colossus, which really upset me, and uh, so I don't like him. I really dislike him. That's bad. So, what did you guys think about this issue? Um, so, I guess um, it really comes down to what do we think about Professor X saying, "Well, I wish you guys could stay with me, but I know you can't." Oh, just get it over with. It's like it would have been a good ending spot, right? Right. Yeah. That's what I feel. I feel like this is a perfect way for them to say, "Okay, we're home. See you later, guys. Thanks. Thanks for the memories." 
<laughs> and magical timey-wimey stuff just makes Angel back to normal. Right. You know, as, as much as I said that uh, Excellent Red book I loved because it wasn't all action, I love this book because it is all action and just yeah. how gorgeous it looks. Right. I think it is definitely an art before anything else. Mm, yes. <laughs> I, I would say um, as, as much as I love Silva's art, Barreto's colors, though, really make this book just explode. Mm-hmm. Uh, the colors are so good. Yeah, agreed, totally. Okay, well, I'm going to give this a very hearty, strong four out of six claws. What about you guys? Um, I'm going to give it a strong three. Okay. Wow. So we're all going to be, this is a very different. I'm going to give it a five. Okay. Um, and that's because uh, the artwork, it's a seven out of six, so it just <laughs> upgrades everything else. There you go. Yeah, and then him and Taylor doing a, a, a Hunt from Wolverine book. That's, that, that gives me high hopes. Sure. Um, okay, well, X-Men Blue could have ended there. Probably should have because now we're going to go to annual number one. Uh, part one of Poison X and blah, blah, blah. All right. Written by Colin Bunn. Art by Edgar Salazar. Colors by Matt Mia. Letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. The cover is by Nick Bradshaw and Federico Blee. And we have the all the sorry, the X-Men Blue team fighting Venom. I don't and we talked about this kinda in Twitter a little bit. I don't care for Eddie Brock being Venom again. And nothing about the story sells that idea to me. Basically we have this, I don't know, cowboy bebop guy who hunts symbiotes. <laughs> Um, and then the Star Jammers are talking to Scott through inner space iPads um, until they get robbed by Venom symbiote pirates. Of course, Scott's like, we got to go save them. So the X-Men blue team is ready to go to space, but they need a symbiote expert. So they find Venom. He does not want to cooperate. He looks terrible. Um, <laughs> but the suit does. The suit wants to help because, you know, he misses his family in his home world and so he kind of knocks Eddie out and they all go to space together so they have a reluctant teammate helper they go to the cantina from Star Wars where they meet a symbiote gang now the art was not too great in this book um, didn't really care for it at all to be honest the only, the only part I liked was the idea of Maybe revisiting some of the themes from the Cyclops solo series with the Star yes, Jammers. Yes. But that's like a germ of an idea, not actually a story, so it doesn't really do much. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think of this annual? I can't even remember reading it. Fair enough. Um, I don't know if that speaks volumes. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. I don't know why Marvel can, is insistent on having Venom come back and ruining a whole bunch of books at the moment. <laughs> it's it's quite annoying. Like these two issues are total throwaway issues. No one cares. Right. Um, I'd rather just see Corsair come down and visit the young X Men. That would have been a much more interesting story. Right. Well, you know what's going to be an inter- more interesting story too, as well, is this side story they reference of Jimmy Hudson and Bloodstorm running off on a secret mission. That would be more interesting, yes. Well, I think we get that after this. I think that's the Cry Havoc story. 
I think they're going Ooh. after Havoc. So Oh cool. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to see that. So I'm I'm just kinda anxious to get to that and see them I'm hoping it's really just the two of them. I would love to see like an issue of them just interacting together. But um anyway, uh I didn't care for this issue much at all. Uh there were enough things to kinda like. I guess I'll give it two out of six claws. Uh, uh, I don't, I don't, I didn't, I didn't, I don't even remember, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's fine. Um, it's not, it's not really bad. I'll, I'll join you in two. It's not like, like the art is at least not horrific. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh boy. Yeah. I guess it is. For me, it's a strong two. If you can have a strong two. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's near middling. It's it's near average. It's but totally forgettable. Well, I think it's better than X Men Blue number twenty one. Dan, yes. Uh, what do you think about what happens in X Men Blue number twenty one? Well, um, oh god, written by uh, Bun still, um, art by Jacopo Camagni, uh, color artist Matt Miller, uh, letter Joe Carmagna, um, cover by Arf Adams. Do we care that Venom has got them in a web? No one cares. Um, so, <laughs> in some random space bar, Gene and... Oh, God. This is terrible. Cyclops looks like he gets punctured in the heart, but clearly it's just a flesh wound. Right, um, right. It looks yeah. like he just got killed, yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Venom's up to something, and then he basically eats someone for information, because, you know, that's what... Venom does. Uh, I can't. And what was that comic yeah. where there was actually a guy that ate eight people and got oh Chew right? Yeah, Chew, yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe that's maybe you should get inspiration from that. Um, the psychic rapport is mentioned at least at least once because you can't have a issue of blue without the word psychic rapport in it. Um, uh. Then they go to find Cosa who's being tortured by really badly designed symbiont people. They find Robo Cowboy Bebop. Um, <laughs> they all fight. And then, oh my God, shock horror. Some symbiont goo breaks free and they all become terrible symbionts. <sighs> terrible, terrible symbionts. I kind of like the angel design. But why... So why do symbiote flame wings turn into bat wings? Cheaper effect. Uh, and the flame wings have to go away, right? Because they just burn through the symbiote. Yeah. And wouldn't the optic blast also hurt the symbiote? Uh, let's not think about it. Okay, one out of six claws. <laughs> it was okay. horrid. I agree. <laughs> I'm going to give it a low two a low two just because so we for, have worse so from high off. two to low two all right yes <laughs> something just, that's almost okay to something that's really not worth reading right i want this story to be over and i don't want to read venomized so whatever sure. all right all right well x-men gold number 21 writ is brotherhood part one written by mark guggenheim penciled by diego bernard inked by jp meyer colors by arif prianto Letters by VC's Corey Pettit, woohoo, and cover by Mike Diodato and Nolan Woodard. Actually, kind of like the cover except for Kitty. Um, we have uh, Mesmero in the background. I'm sorry, Brainiac in the background. Um, <laughs> and then we have not Avalanche, choke holding Colossus, 
and then Kitty elongated girl stretching out to get him. Uh huh. Yeah, that's weird, K. Yeah. All right. So basically, um, we have a guy who's a another mutant time bomb that didn't wait to go off. He went off, and um, Professor X slash Brainiac slash Mesmero saves him. Uh, I guess that was in the past. Anyway, now we're in jail, and Mesmero has his fake pyro and fake avalanche, and they break out. Um, old man Logan leaves without saying goodbye, just like classic Uncanny X-Men Wolverine, where he would just uh-huh. go off on solo missions, and a storm would be like, give him a hug, and it's almost right out of that. Um, which actually, I didn't mind that part. Uh, Rachel suddenly awake and doing better. Uh, her and Kurt talk about stuff. Then the Brotherhood attacks a yacht. The X-Men are going to go save it. And they're doing some fighting and stuff. But Kitty says, I'm a bad leader. And her team all gets beat up. And the end. So I actually didn't mind the art as much in this book. Thought right. It was, thought it was all right. Sure. And yeah, the other's not too bad. I thought the story was a slight step up from what we've had in gold previously. And I don't mind. I don't mind the Brotherhood doing some stuff and actually fighting the the talk show host like that. You know, seems all right. Yeah, comparatively speaking, this is much better than when they were out in the space fighting that weird oh. lizard alien. Tons better. Yeah. I feel like it's very. It's weird because it's like a very middle of the road. Yeah. X Men uh-huh. comic, but but in in the context of gold, it's it's above average. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. I don't know how to like. So for mark. the gold standard, this is like a four, right? Yeah, for gold. Yeah, standard, under the gold four, standard, but... right? <laughs> um. I... Oh, go ahead, Dan. Go ahead. No, I'm trying. I can't really vocalize my words. I, like, I really like the coloring. Yeah, I did too. Like, I really enjoy the coloring a lot. Um, like Mesmero's um skin tone especially and like magma like the way she's colored right I quite like them sure so this guy he kind of looks like um in this issue and I don't feel like we've had him before he's filled in on this book before I've never really noticed a comparison but this issue he kind of looks like Ed Benez White Mm. a little bit this reminds me like a new 52 DC book oh oh well, at least there's a moment where there's actual character stuff. Yeah. St- yeah. Storm has lines. Right. And Wolverine speaks, so that was nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, overall, this is not bad for gold. Not bad and for I, gold. You know, looking over this again, Dan, I agree. Like, Mesmero is... Uh, I do like how Mesmero is drawn and, and Magma as well. It's... Uh, for gold, this is... Hey, not so bad. <laughs> It's like the bad child that can't do anything, and then it does like manage to spell a letter correctly. You're like, oh, that's okay. <laughs> right, it's right. Okay. You actually passed that test? <laughs> hey, great job for not killing any small animals today. <laughs> you can get a sticker on the fridge. All right. Um, well, I'm going to give it a light three out of six claws. I'm I'm in agreement. I think it's a it's like a, a it just gets into free. Sure. 
I mean, that's really all I need to say about the Zitsu. Is sure right. it happened, it wasn't terrible, <laughs> but but I didn't love it either. Right. So, guys, remember when we used to like Weapon X? Uh, we're going to talk about number fourteen, the conclusion of the Nuke Clear War, which is still maybe my least favorite title for a story ever. Um, written by Greg Pak, art by Yodere Sinar, colors by Frank Diamardo, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. The cover by David Nakayama. Um, I actually don't mind the cover. Uh, well, great. It's the best part of the book. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so basically in this story, somehow Weapon X doesn't get canceled. I don't know how. But, uh... <laughs> and, and the front cover is the two characters stopping all editor- editors from canceling it, I imagine. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So basically, this is the story of how Domino and Warpath fall into makeout. I won't, uh-huh. call, I won't call it love. We'll just we'll call it. You know, <laughs> I, it's funny. I saw a list of like the worst sex scenes in movies the other day, and one of them was that uh, that shoot 'em up movie with Clive uh, Owen. Oh yeah. And there's that sex scene <laughs> where they just have a gunfight while they're having sex. I feel like that's what's going on with Domino and Warpath. Like. Uh-huh. They just they keep having this fight and then they steal these like kisses, right? I really want to go to, to to go to Pack and say right. So you know how people make relationships. It's not if they sit in the same room since issue one to fourteen. That's not how you 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 develop character relate. They, they don't they don't fall in love like that because I feel like just because they've always been in the same car or the same mission together, those two have always been paired up. I feel like, I guess, oh, well, they've been paired up all this time. They might as well be together. Like, it feels like it's just like a really random, might as well. It's too because Park can be a really good writer, so it's it's just a shame that this yeah. book has taken downturn for the last, I don't know, 10, 15 issues. Man, yeah, really, ever since Greg Land left, which is such a weird thing to say. But you know what? They two together on Hulk, still really good. I'm still digging right. that. I'm still digging that so, book. I know it's kind yeah, of a maybe rehash. Maybe he's just lost interest in these characters. I I think. What so. do you f- how, how do you feel though about them all taking drug the drug? Like, I think it's terrible. I, I, I don't like even think it makes sense. I don't feel like it's in character with any of them. No. <laughs> like you know, possibly not even Sabretooth. <laughs> and he's like, like the catalyst. Did... Yeah. I so... forgot. I, I I forget Warpath has had little to no characterization in this series, but I'm like, I'm sure he wouldn't just take a drug. I think it says he does on his Wikipedia page, though. (laughs) (laughs) Where all knowledge comes from. Don't forget, at the end, we realize that Sabretooth and uh, and friends are now drug addicts. (laughs) Right, right. And I don't like... I I know that we're probably leaning towards... um, you know, Sabretooth and, and Deathstrike heading back towards, you know, maybe a more villainous path. And that's fine for Sabretooth. I don't really like Deathstrike going that way without something happening. And the only good part about that whole Wolverine's book was her coming to terms with the fact that living a life of hatred just because she didn't like Wolverine was kind of dumb. And she decided, you know what, I'm going to try to do something better. I think if she's going to completely 360 revert, or I'm sorry, 180 revert, either has, something has to happen besides just, I went to a Central American island and took some drugs. Right. 
I just, I think Death Strike has been a non-character almost this whole book, and it bugs me. Yeah, I mean her Domino. Yeah. Uh, I mean everyone has been a non-character. <laughs> well, I think so much so that I think the next story arc is just Old Man Logan and Sabretooth. <laughs> yeah, that that cover for the next issue looks rough. Ooh, yeah, is that Ramos? I don't know what's gonna. I don't know. Yeah, it looks like a. It was kind of like when Humberto Ramos did that uh, Revelation book where he kind of painted stuff. Yeah. But the claws don't look right, so I don't know. I guess we'll find out later. Anyway, um, this book is not canceled, but I think we're probably done with it on this these episodes. I think that's fair. So, it's just, it's been too bad for too long, and I got chastised last time for giving this book a zero, so... So Georgie doesn't bite my head off. I'm gonna give it one out of six claws, but I want to give it a zero. Who gave it? Who gave, who told you off? Georgie said I I was inappropriate. I I did. I don't remember saying that. I think I was just in shock that you could give a zero. So you thought I was being mean, and I probably was. Um, were you? Were you really? Have you read what we just read? <laughs> Right, let, let me let me like clarify. For me, I feel like the, the 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 floor, the basement is a one. Like you can't go below a one if it's a one to six scale. Uh, but if you want to give it a zero, I mean it's well, your show. So no, I, I'll I'll give it a one because I I do feel bad. To me, I agree with you. To me, a zero is like is bad enough that it makes me angry and like makes me want to wish it didn't exist or like I could go back and undo it and not buy it and not read it. <laughs> well, I think that all applies to this book. To be honest. <laughs> <coughs> all right, what are you guys gonna give it? One. I'll give it one. Okay. All right, Georgie. Let's move on to some <coughs> cooler pastures. Anyway, um, <clears throat> we have the penultimate Iceman book, number ten. All right, Iceman number 10, uh, writer, Cena Grace, penciler, Robert Gill, inkers, Robert Gill and Ed Tadeo, uh, colors, Rachel Rosenberg, letter, VCs, Joe Sabino, and cover again by Kevin Wada. Um, I mean, once again, I'm not really a fan of the Kevin Wada covers, but we've got Iceland holding, oh boy, you know, is there a miscolor here? Because this person's all green. And is was there any green people in the book? Anola was in there for a little bit, right? Uh, I feel like this should be Leech if he's going to be like this green character. <laughs> I mean, I don't... Do you have any comments on this cover? I like it. I like it. Okay, Ben. Uh, jumping <laughs> into the book, um, I think overall what this book has proven is that uh, originally the writer and artist had one path they were going to go and when the book was cancelled they had to make some changes because I feel like just like the previous issue, this issue's artwork is is not up to the standards of the, you know the first six issues, so it's it's a bit disappointing for me. Um, Story wise, they're in this battle uh, still, where it's uh, Dokken versus Iceman, and Dokken's um, protege is going up against Iceman's protege, the girl who can spit. When she spits, it turns into like hard spit. And hits people. I don't really understand. That's my um, mutant power. Yeah. You can ask so, the news. I mean, Doc and Iceman fight for a while. Why is he getting extra Dokken... claws? I don't understand that. 
because the sea, the, the uh, his his protege was controlling his powers, making sure he didn't like Hulk out. But then uh, when he gets knocked out, he can't control him anymore. So Doc can like super Hulk's out, and he's got extra claws, and he's he's he is like the death of the horseman uh, now because the seed's full power is unleashed into him. Um, so Iceman decides he's going to make like fifty clones of ice and attack him. Um, meanwhile, in the danger room, uh, the, the young X-Men are fighting, and they start beating up Sauron. Uh, hooray. Um, as I mentioned, Iceman's protege takes out uh, Dokken's protege. Um, Iceman and Dokken fight for a while. Iceman skks uh, Dokken through the stomach with some ice. With a chest uh, They have some more fighting. A chest spike. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, some of these panels, looking at this again, some of these, this artwork actually is really outstanding. Like this full page of, of them fighting, uh, especially the centerpiece where Iceman's getting an uppercut looks pretty, pretty awesome. Um, Dokken goes to, to take out Iceman's boyfriend and another young ex-girl uses her flame powers to try and stop him. I don't remember her name. Heidi. Uh, sure. Heidi. Heidi, flame, flame thrower. You don't remember ID? She has fire I, and ice. She has one ice hand and one fire hand. Oh, yeah, right. she can like sort of absorb the cold to make more fire or something. I don't know. <laughs> She's one of the five lights. The five lights. The original five lights. I, I love that idea. She absorbs the cold to make more fire. <laughs> I don't. Sure. Uh, for for me, she's a forgettable character. Um, Iceman finally manages to knock Dokken outside of the X-Mansion. They have another giant fight, and in order to sort of freeze Dokken from the inside, Iceman gives him a kiss uh, and then, like, kicks him into the ground. Uh, Dokken's protege is taken out. Uh, Iceman heals up, and sort of in a uh, sort of a shock, uh, Iceman's boyfriend decides they need to break up, and Iceman can't go to the West Coast to be with him. Um, and then and then mm-hmm. um, at the end, Kitty says, hey, Iceman, we can be friends now. You don't hate me anymore, right? I'll give you an X-Team. The end. Mm. So for me, overall, I feel like what was once a promising series is sort of taking a downturn from, I don't know, maybe issue like five or six on is sort of as they had to readjust the trajectory of this story has been a little bit disappointing. I'd say it's more like the most issue what are we on now 11 um i feel like maybe like nine when they yeah. and that king comes comes back because i feel like it's rushing to the end i feel like him getting his own x x team would have been the story arc yes 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 right um, on the west coast Dacken. west coast x-men is the book i wanted yeah and and Dacken i want him to reform the, the champions I feel, I feel i feel like it was just sort of a Elements, there's elements of her I like. Um, mm-hmm. I, I liked ID being there because of what she did for young Bobby in All New X-Men and helping him with his, him coming out and meeting his boyfriend. It was nice to see her pop up in this one. But um, I think I think I agree with you that the quality is dipped, but it doesn't feel like it's the book, like the creative team's fault. It feels like it has to because it has to end. Yeah, because it's been told it's ending, and I feel like the promise of him getting his own X team is. It's like, no, it's it. It feels like the, the Jean Grey meets older Jean Grey moment again. <laughs> and I'm like, no, not again. I want to see things. Let me have things. 
I just realized that old man Logan has to push the wheelbarrow full of rocks. Yes, <laughs> I saw that. That's my favorite part. Um, yeah, um, I'm disappointed that he's not going to California, to be honest. Um, but, you know, we'll see what they do with him. Um, I still, you know, it's interesting because I like the confrontation. I like because Dawkins almost nihilism trying to appeal to what is perceived as Iceman's flippancy and carelessness. But when it turns out, you know, Bobby really has, you know, not a heart of ice, but a heart of gold. You know, I mean, it kind of sounds dumb, but but Bobby really does care and is really passionate about being an X-Man. I think everyone just kind of assumes that that doesn't exist. And so Dawkins thought there'd be an easy mark with Iceman to maybe sway him kind of away from the team because he didn't really feel like there was that investment when really there is. So I like that conflict. I still... It's, it's still weird to me that this Dawkins is so just geometrically opposed to the Dawkins we're seeing in All-New Wolverine. Um, uh-huh. It's just it's really hard for me to mesh those two. You know, why does he have both arms if, if he hasn't already gone through the All-New Wolverine story? Um, and if he has, then why is he still dealing with the apocalypse? Like, it's just, it's just it's, I don't know. Like, I, I, I like the conflict enough. I'm willing to kind of give it a little bit of a pass, but it's editorially and I'm trying I try not to be that way but it's just kind of kind of the way I read I like things to kind of make sense and it just doesn't quite make sense for me but but I think I like the art maybe a little bit more than you did Georgie I I thought Gil still did a fairly good job um I think there are, there are panels, as I mentioned, and even whole pages that look gorgeous, but there are other ones that look maybe rushed or just below the, the standard of what we'd, we'd seen in earlier issues so it's right it's not bad. It's it's just when you know someone can do like something this good and they only get to like, I don't know, 80% of that. You feel like, Oh man, you could have been, you could have been great. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I'm not willing to go back as far as you, Georgie. I think I'm more with Dan that this was really still a pretty great book until number nine. Um, I think nine took a slight turn down and I think we had to, had to wallow and only give it four out of six. (laughs) Um, I think this one swept even a little bit further for me. Um, man, I hate to say it. I'm I'm between a three and a four on issue ten. It's like I have to give it a four because it's better than gold, and I just gave gold a three. So I guess <laughs> I guess I'll give it a four on principle, but compared to the rest of the Iceman series, and, and so here's kind of the the difference. And I'm not saying one's better or worse. I think they're both fantastic writers. I think, you know, we, we have a, kind of two ways these series ended between looking at the Jean Grey book and the Iceman book, whereas Hopeless was ca- kind of able to overcome the cancellation. I think he had the help of having the Phoenix story, right? Um, but still kind of finished strong, and I feel like this one... I'm hoping, though, that now that we got the docking fight out of the way, that Grace will pull number 11 back and have a really strong finale that really, whether anybody else uses it or not, will at least, from his perspective, put Iceman in a really strong place to end the book. So, I, I, that's that's my hope. That's what I'm hoping for. I, I also hope that the last issue sort of has a, has a strong 
ending. And unfortunately, I'm going to have to give it the same as I gave it gold, I think, with a three, because I think it has has elements, like like you say, with Dakin being bizarrely villainous here, um, compared to what he's like in All New X-Men, it does sort of, sort of put the this book in a completely different t- time period yeah. <laughs> to the rest. Um, but that's not my issue. My issue is just the simple fact that it just feels like editorials vulture claws have come into play <laughs> at the end the, the the end of its cancellation whereas i think hopeless has probably been given a lot more freedom right, than grace yeah. was yeah i would agree with that. um and this was like wrap it all up now or he won't get 11 issues he's not even allowed you know like, you know what i mean i just feel like it was like a get it done kind of feeling to the whole uh-huh. thing yeah and it's not fair that the only panel like I only really like I enjoyed the book's final page mainly because the concept of him having a team actually is with the rest of the series right like the idea of him becoming his own man is basically the theme of the series right Mm -hmm. so I don't know. I think, you know, Grace like has hinted that he has something coming up uh, later on, so maybe it will be an Iceman team book. I, I feel like that was the case. They would have already announced something, so it's, you know, I'm, I'm kind of clueless as to where we're going to go here. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. All right, I think I have to give it a low four um, because I do feel like it is better than gold, <laughs> even if it's hitting, you know, its its heights of previous issues. Well, I feel like I was being more fair to gold this time around. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Okay, well, um, we're going to end up real quick with Rogue and Gambit number two. Written by Kelly Thompson, art by Pere Perez, colors by Frank Diamardo, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna, cover by Chris Aka featuring Gambit's nipple, and, um, yeah. What do you guys what do you guys think of this book overall? Just kind of, I mean, basically they go through the the fake couples counseling. They find out that this place is running experiments on mutants, and they're none too happy about that. I care not for the plot, but I do care for the character work. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. This, this, the Thompson's uh, revisiting the same memory from both characters' perspective is just genius. Yes. 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 And. My favorite thing in all of the book is the whole um, my clothes were completely, some might say very specifically and conveniently <laughs> shredded, oh, yeah. is literally so beautifully done because you can tell it was a woman that wrote that. Right. And you're just like, yes, yes, that is perfect. Um, and I just, I love this book's character work. I, and I don't care that, that about, it could just be these two just arguing or doing whatever under Thompson. Right. Um, and I would read it. So, yeah. and I quite like the art as well. I think the art is um, great. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, I I maybe shot a little high on the first issue of this, <laughs> uh, just because I liked the character work so much. And and to me, if Marvel doesn't treat this, and she may not even want to, she may want to do something else. But if if Thompson wants to write an X book after this, she should be given the next book. Like, I I think the way she writes the characters and kind of bringing her sense of wit and adventure to an X-Men book, even if it's like a limited cast of characters like this, would be right up my alley. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm with you, Dan, and probably Georgie as well. Um, 
don't really care what happens to the resort or anything like that. It's all about no. <laughs> it's all about the bickering and the the we're not together, but we're still an old married couple <laughs> kind kind of thing that's going on, and and that's what it's uh-huh. all about. I think because the art's so strong, I'll probably still give it five out of six. But what about you guys? I agree with you. I give it five out of six. It also delivers my favorite panel of all of our books, which is them two arguing with speech bubbles of flashbacks, which was just a genius idea. Yes. Oh, yeah, that was great. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm with you. Five out of six. Yeah. Uh, you guys hit the nail on the head there. Great character work, great artwork. Story, who really cares? Because we're just enjoying these two characters interacting. And I, I need to point out uh, the page where they decide they're going to get down and Rogue like jumps onto him, like saddle style, like knocks him to the ground. It's just an <laughs> awkward way to like jump onto someone in the, in the top left corner there, where it says smack. It's just uh, interesting. Uh, that, great artwork. Love this book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. It's almost like a little girl, like, jumping into daddy's arms when he comes home from work, but it's a very different intention. Right, right, right. She's a wild woman. <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, um, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Um, but, guys, thanks so much for for coming on and talking some X with me, seeing some red. Um, you know, I think if we could summarize the ep- episode, um, we're all excited about X-Men red and just kind of still reading the other books. <laughs> uh, I mean, let's be fair to Rook and Gambit. We're loving that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And X-Men Blue had a nice ending that they should have stuck with. Yeah, I, and I am, I am looking forward to the Hudson Bloodstorm search for Havoc story. I think that could be really good. So, And and we were more positive on gold. Yeah, so. yeah. So all the other people that have loved that book and wondered why we don't like it, um, there's a little vindication for you. <laughs> we no longer hate it. It's just right. okay. <laughs> Don't go that far. I'll, right. I'll give it a strong <laughs> right. It's the most passionate man I can muster. Um, <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, um, like I said, just thanks so much, guys. Uh, Dan, where can people find you? Oh, um, am, am I? I don't want to get put the cart ahead of the horse. Are we, Are you guys ready to say anything about what y'all tweeted not too long ago? I don't think so. I think we can say that there's something, we have something in the works that we hope uh, everyone who listens to this show will be excited about. Awesome. Okay, we'll leave it at that. We'll have the the hanging teaser until next time. Mm -hmm. Yes. Indeed. All right, Dan, what's your Twitter, man? Uh, Gizmo151183. And thank you for having me on because it's lovely to talk about Xbox. Oh, yeah. Anything else you want to say? Anything you want the people to know? Um, go watch Black Panther. Yes, I'm very yes. much looking forward to that. All right, Georgie, what about you? Uh, find me on Twitter, LA Boy Toy. Uh, I watched a few because uh, Justice League came out. Some of the like actual quality clips, uh, quality in terms of visual uh, coherency, are on YouTube, and I've been watching some of those, and that looks awful. The CG in that movie is so <laughs> terrible. It oh was awful. Goodness. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
There's that. Also, I started playing Zelda Breath of the Wild, and oh my goodness, if this thing isn't going to eat up like half a year's worth of free time for me, this thing's amazing. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Uh, good words of wisdom. All right, well, as <laughs> usual, uh, like the Facebook page for the podcast that goes snicked. Twitter is at snickcast. Show notes and stuff for snickcast.podbean.com. Um, I'm very, very grateful that all we stayed asleep this whole time so we can do the whole episode. And um, uh-huh. <laughs> also, uh been really enjoying The Gifted. And um, I want to say that while it has some of the typical CW trappings, I feel like Black Lightning is a very different kind of show for CW. So worth checking out as well. Um, cool. Yeah. Um, it just has a lot more emotional depth to it than some of the other shows that they do. And I don't dislike the other shows. I think I probably like Arrow and Flash more than you guys do. But but um, I think this one has a little something extra and a little something different. So Awesome. I have to check it out. Yeah. So, all right. Well, again, thank you to Georgie and Dan for making an, another great episode. Um, they, they make me look good, so I appreciate it. And, um, yeah, until next time, hugs and snicks, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. And snat. Tick tock. Stop. Say hi, hi. 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 Say something. Sit down. Okay.